Panzercrush.com Another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton. Yes, this is another solo episode. I know uh, our last show we told you, yeah, we're, we're back full time. Well, uh, I'm kind of recording this on the fly. Uh, it is currently uh, April 27th, it's about 11 p.m. as I'm recording this. And I'm recording because uh, I've spent the day kind of headbutting with a lot of people and, and trying to educate some people on a matter that's going on right now, especially in our this little circle, if you listen to this podcast that we run in. So for those in the future, uh, we're still in the midst of lockdown for COVID-19. Um, right now, uh, I think uh, Georgia is slowly opening up, Texas is slowly opening up, and uh, unfortunately, cities like San Francisco have extended their lockdowns. So it's, it's, it's a weird, weird, and we're in a weird in-between time. And uh, what's going on is that um, J.D. Lee's, who runs G-Fest, is getting a lot of flack for the fact that he has not yet canceled G-Fest for this year. I see a lot of people arguing with him. Like, hey, dude, come on. Time's up. Just cancel the show. What are you doing here? Well, uh, what I'm going to be doing with this episode, it's going to be somewhat brief. Not, uh, hopefully not too long, and hopefully I won't get too rambly with it. I'm going to try to, um, for lack of a better term, educate some of you on what goes on with the con game. When I say the con game, I mean Comic-Cons, or conventions in general. So full disclosure, I don't work with G-Fest. I don't know, I don't know JD or really any of the guys, you know, that run the show. Um, I have nothing to do with it, other than the fact that I go with Jessica every year. We go hang out with some friends. I go spend a lot of money that I should be spending in the dealer's room. And uh, we put on a panel, and then I go support Jessica and her 15 other panels. Then occasionally I get super drunk out on the patio and uh, have long conversations with a lot of people that I enjoy their company. And that's my that's the extent of my connection with uh, G-Fest. So this isn't coming from like, hey, I'm talking on behalf of everybody. I'm not talking on behalf of anybody here. I'm just kind of give some people insight to something I know a bit about. So, that said, I have been working conventions for the last five and a half years now with uh, one of my best friends uh, in the world. And uh, with him, I've also helped him put on two mini-shows. When I say mini-shows, these were small shows happening in the confines of a larger show. But I helped him book him. I got to see firsthand what goes into putting on a show. And virtue of that, I've also gotten to know a few people that run some, they're not large shows, but they're not small shows by any means. So we've gotten to know some promoters as well. And they've kind of, and they've given us insight to how these shows work. So I'm going to be relaying some of this information that I know of for a fact. 
to you people as to why GFAS hasn't canceled yet. It might shock a lot of you who just, you know, think JD just being a big jerk right now. And he's not. Well, I'll, I'll give some of you credit that he has not handled um, the backlash as well as one would. But then again, there are a lot of people just kind of jumping on him. So I kind of see both sides of the argument here. So let's go over a few things. So right now, GFS is still set for, I think, July 12th, the weekend of July 12th. Now, it's the end of April. That's still four, eight, uh, ten weeks out. A lot can happen in that time. But other shows have canceled. We've lost WonderCon out here in Anaheim. Comic-Con officially canceled. Most likely, Emerald City Comic-Con will have to cancel again. If they push back, and they're, they're most likely, they probably won't happen. Uh, Anime Expo has canceled. That's a huge show. These are all big shows. But there's another thing to this. <clears throat> there are smaller shows. G-Fest is a smaller show. And uh, I'm supposed to go work a show in at the end of June in Las Vegas. And we'll see if that actually happens. We'll see if that goes through. And, uh, yeah, so those shows have all canceled. A lot of people were calling for them to cancel. Like, hey, we're not coming anyway. Like, why are you storing? Like, this is this is stupid. Well, that's it. I get it. A lot of people, and I've seen the argument. Hey, you know what? If it saves one life, that's great. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can't argue that. But that's also, there is something to be arguing based on emotion. And I've seen a lot of people arguing on emotion. I live in California. We're all, most people I hear are very emotional people. So when you see businesses arguing to be open back up, it's not because they're being greedy. It's not because they're being evil. It's the fact that they're, you know, the world's still spinning and we tried to put it on pause. And that is a very difficult thing to do when it's still slowly turning. Not everything. We're not on a complete, utter lockdown. Business, some businesses are still open. Banks are still um, Debts are owed. And that's part of the problem. So when we get to something like San Diego Comic-Con. So let's just lay, lay out the... Let, let's go start the big guy here. So we I can break down what exactly is going on here. So San Diego Comic-Con last week announced we are canceling the show. Which I was actually... Very surprised by. I figured they would wait until the last minute to actually cancel. But they said, no, we're just going to cancel. We'll come back next year. We're also canceling WonderCon. That's their other show. Be back 20, you know, 2021. Which is astonishing. Because here's something I can tell you for an utter fact. That San Diego Comic-Con, not the con itself. Well, not the profits of that show. But that con accounts for... Upwards of 60% of most of the businesses in the greater San Diego area for that five to seven days that everyone shows up. They get upwards of 100 to 130 to, at times, maybe 140, 150,000 people in the greater San Diego area for that weekend in July. For that, out of that week in July, people come early because they want to come and visit California. San, if you've never been to San Diego, it's one of the utmost beautiful places on the face of the earth the weather's always nice there's i always quote the lewis black joke it's like greatest job to have in the world is to be the weatherman for san diego california hey bill what's the weather like today nice back to you it's it, he's not lying it's always nice down there um friend of the show the great chris mowry's from san diego 
And I always tell him, like, I'm always jealous of you, man, for living down there. And he's like, yeah, it's great. Why wouldn't you want to live down here? And uh, that Comic-Con, which is 50 years old, brings in a lot of people. My cousin lived in San Diego for a while. She worked for uh, the Marriott Hotel chain. And she, for, you know, she worked her way up into upper management for that chain for a while. And uh, she told me, you know, a couple of years back when uh, we were together for a, a family event, she was like, she knows I've been going since I was 10. So, hey, you know, we uh, you know, we had a big meeting today about Comic-Con. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, at the hotel? She's like, no, no. Every year the, the business associates get together and they discuss plans for Comic-Con coming up. Because, as she put it, it's like for most of those businesses, that show accounts for upwards of 60% of their profit for the year. Now, think about that. Five to seven days account for upwards of 60% of the profit of your business. That is just not hotels. That is restaurants. That is boutiques. That is everything around there, especially in the greater downtown area. And for a lot of people who live there, yeah, it's five days, you know, a ton of people paying in the ass. You got a bunch of geeks there. For other people, they bank on that week to pay certain bills, to pay property tax bills, to pay the rent, to increase, you know, hopefully, you know, up their 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 value of their of their restaurant. There's some bonuses come out. There there are whole micro industries that pop up around that show. That is not including what goes on in that show. That show is the show of shows for most uh, comic book uh, uh, dealers and vendors and businesses and publishers. You know, your Marvel and DC, you know, with them, with with, with, with the show shuttering, yeah, they're going to be okay because they're owned by corporate conglomerates that are worth more money than many small countries. They're not going to go anywhere. Image Comics, they'll be okay. Dark Horse, eh, eh, you know, maybe. IDW, hmm. I don't know. Part of the problem is right now is that every, most comic book stores in the U.S. are closed. Diamond Previews. Diamond, uh, Diamond Distribution, who are the sole proprietor of comic books, are not shipping. So stores are kind of hurt right now. Store lost, Every store out here in California is not open. They can sell online. That's what a lot of people resorted to. But without the foot traffic, that industry was already hurting. So no Comic-Con this year. There's a lot of there's a lot of small bit, small publishers that are they were banking on that money coming in, you know, from from being at the show. They're professional dealers. They were looking for that money because for them, that's a lot of money for that five days. People are there to spend. Um, for uh, artists especially, that 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 show, I, don't, I mean, hell, for some of them, that's like half the profit for their year, you know, if they're not doing any other side gig. Some artists who are struggling, who are hoping that they can break into the industry. They sell their prints, you know, hoping to get land that one gig. You know, they they look forward to that money that they make off, you know, off Comic Con. There's none of that this year, and that's going to hurt a lot of people. That's going to hurt a ton of businesses. Um, there there is a mentality going around that I don't quite like, and I'm not trying to get too political or anything on this, but I'm just kind of stating my own personal view of it, of a, a certain economic ignorance, if you will. It's mostly from a lot of kids. There's a few older people, or a few people my age that are like, well, why don't they just do this? I'm like, hmm. That that's you're you're in your mid-30s and you still think that's how things work. It's like believing in Santa Claus. It's it's the idea that, hey, they got money. 
they can just come back next year. Just close it down. Just come back and like everything will be fine. That's that's not how this works. I know that's been a point of contention with a lot of people. They're like, hey, you know, better safe than sorry. Well, you're not thinking of the full outcome. You're just thinking of the effects of the virus. We're trying to prevent this thing from spreading. Okay, that's yes. We we don't we don't want our loved ones to die that are possibly immuno. You know, that have immunodeficiencies. They might be old. I I personally have my grandmother. She's 91 years old, but you know, as her and my grandfather said, we all got to go sometime. And that's not, that's not, uh, don't take that as like, just let him die. You know, that's, that's not me saying that. But the reality is, is that, yes, until, you know, technology or something comes along, uh, we all dance with the Reaper. And I say this because the mentality of, screw it, you can come back because you got money. That's not a healthy thing. That's not a healthy mentality to have. And in the light, in light of things of how they're going, when things finally open back up, it's not going to be business as usual for a lot of things. There's going to be a ton of small businesses that won't recover from this. There's, you know, and those small businesses are not just mom. They are mom and pop joints, but they do employ people. And not only that, but you have to consider the fact that these mom and pop joints aren't some evil corporate conglomerates. You know, they're just not some faceless thing. They're, you know, someone that had a passion life. They like doing something or they wanted to be their own boss. And yes, there are drawbacks to being your own boss, but there's also plenty of advantages to being your own boss. You pretty much call your own shots. Some people can't grasp that concept. And a lot of them are young because, and I get it. When you're young, you don't have any money to start your own business. So you just kind of look at it it's like, yeah, someone will pay me and, you know, I come into work. Well, a lot of people uh, don't want to do that. They wanted to do something else. They wanted to get back. They wanted to kind of break out of the shell and not have to answer to somebody. And they're not going to they're not going to recover from this. That's matter of fact. A lot of those businesses are probably going to be comic book stores. And the industry was already hurting. Yes, the Marvel movies are doing billions of dollars, but that doesn't equal to comic sales going through the roof at all. In fact, Marvel sales and DC sales have been kind of plunging lately. Comic books in general have been plunging. There's a million other things out there. People, comic books are kind of passe now for a lot of things. Video games are taking over. People just farting around on YouTube. There's there's a million other ways to entertain oneself. I mean, hell, I'm talking to you through a podcast right now. I'm doing on my you know I'm in my bedroom. And that is uh, that's the reality of it. So where does this? Why, why, why do I bring this up with GFS? Well, because here's the thing. Comic-Con will return. They will be fine. They can cancel. They say, yes, we are going to cancel this year. We will be back next year. And, you know, they'll be fine. Anime Expo will be fine. But then you start getting the smaller shows. You start getting into, you know, your, your smaller your regional shows that aren't run by a Wizard World or something. They are, that are just, you know, they bring in a modest amount of people, but they're not huge. Like, you know. They take up half of a small civic center or something like that. You have to look into the fa- comparison. So Comic-Con gets 150,000 people over the weekend. Uh, your average show, you know, like in, maybe say like in Lexington, Kentucky, or you know, down in Florida somewhere, they might only draw 5,000 people for the week, for the weekend, for the two days that they're running. And that's a big difference. 
And here's the here's the, the the key fact, and this is where I come in with with my knowledge I'm about to drop on you. So these smaller shows aren't usually run by big companies. Now they're run they're possibly run by LLCs, small little companies that are started by a few people who want to put on a show. They want to have a, they want to be a Comic Con. They want to they want they want to build to something either because of the love of, of this of, of this stuff or the fact that you know hey it's a booming industry. I want to get in on that. And a lot of times that means putting up your own money to start a show. And it's not cheap. This I know for a fact. Because I've seen it firsthand. I've been involved with it. And uh, I've I've also seen a lot of you know medium-sized shows of what they go through. And a lot of them have to do with contracts. And those contracts aren't cheap, depending on the situation the contract's for. It could be the contract for renting out the space. So where San Diego, where the Comic Con is paying the San Diego Convention Center a considerable amount of money to run out their entire convention center, your smaller show, like your G Fest, is paying money to uh, the hotel in in in, in Rosemont, the Crown, the Crown Plaza, how do you? To run out their ballrooms for their for the show. And the difference is one show is massive and it's going to get a ton of people. The other show is small. By comparison, GFS is not a big show at all. There might be a lot of people there, but you're in a confined space. You're in a you're in a play in many rooms that are no bigger than you know your average two story home. If you put them all together, and a lot of times, you know, there all times. What am I saying? A lot of times, all times, there are business uh, uh, transactions to go with those. And here's the thing that people aren't grasping: those smaller shows. This is a lot of money out of people's pockets. Not not the people attending, the people putting them on. Uh, they might have small little, you know, uh, they might start small little, you know, con, you know, LLCs, little uh, businesses to maybe financially protect themselves or to actually put these things on. Because a lot of times you can't just be a person and be like I want to put on a full show and then put your whole credit online. No, there's 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 you know intricacies to these things. But a lot of times that money comes straight from their own personal pockets, and. The success of a show determines whether or not it comes back. Now, GFS has been going on for 25 years now. You know, people were like, yeah, it's always going to be around. Well, that, that might not be the case here. And I give this as a, I, I'm going to give you an anecdotal situation that actually legitimately happened. Well, I didn't say anecdotal. I'm sorry. It's late as I'm, I'm rambling on here. So I'm going to give you a situation that I know firsthand happened. I'm not going to give any names because it's just, you know, for legal reasons. But a show that I work uh, with my buddy, uh, we know we, we we got to know the the um, the people running it. And a few years ago, uh, they were relaying to to us a story like, "Hey, um, we had the opportunity to get Carrie Fisher to come to the show. Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia herself." Kind of the show. The show's uh, not. It's not a small show, but it's not a big show by any means. And they get a few people of noteworthy value to come out to their shows. And they also get a lot of comic artists. They try to balance pretty good. But you know, the key to it is you get one big name, a couple medium names, and that draws the crowd in. So when you want to book somebody, say Carrie Fisher, or say the Green Ranger, or say Jim Lee, or any of these people. They have booking agents that will handle these things. They will take them. They'll tell them, hey, the show, 
want you to come out for the weekend, blah, blah. You know, you sit there, you glad hand, maybe do a panel. And I, okay. But what's it worth it to me? So these, these bookers give these shows like, all right, my client will come out for you. But it's going to be a deposit, depending on the size of the client. Some people uh, need, uh, you know, a grand up front. Some people need 10 grand up front. Carrie Fisher was $10,000 up front. Uh, I can probably, I can tell you that William Shatner is almost 20, I think even 30, because he's very popular. People are going to come out to see William Shatner because he's Captain Kirk. People are going to come out to see Carrie Fisher because she is Princess Leia. She doesn't do a ton of signings. So when she does come out, it's very special. And she'll make money for her and maybe the few people that she employs when she comes out to these shows. But they are guaranteed a certain amount of money. So they're going to pay through a contract up front. Now, the types of contracts vary. Sometimes they're just paid up front. She'll take a cut of what they make. Or say they make a certain amount and thus maybe the deposit comes back. It, it all varies on how the client, uh, how, how, the, how the promoter and the potential um, guest work has these out. So that's neither here nor there. So... This particular promoter would have had to put down $10,000 of his own money to have Carrie Fisher come out. That is not including any of the other guests he was, he was planning on booking. So Carrie Fisher, 10 grand. And he had a small window. And at the time, he had some other potential guests. And, you know, he's like, Carrie Fisher, that could be, that could be huge for my show. Bring a lot of people, a lot of fresh faces. Because that's the thing when you're running a smaller show. It's like, how am I going to stand out? How am I going to bring... People back. Because it's one thing to bring the same people back. But you need to get new people through those doors. You need to grow each year if you want to become more and more profitable. Or if, or if you want to do more with your show. And you want to make it worth your time. The idea is to grow. Now, there is a point of when you can't grow any bigger. But for the most part, it will even out. You know, if you can maintain more or less a certain amount of attendance, then yes, it, it, it makes things easier makes things uh, much more affordable. You can breathe easier when you're booking the next show. So he decides at the last second, no, I, I can't at this moment, maybe in a few months. So he didn't put the $10,000 down on Carrie Fisher. Two months later, Carrie Fisher passes away, unfortunately. And he told us, he's like, the way that the contract was written, unless it was an act of God, even if she died, I would have been out that $10,000. That was like that. Ten grand. That's a lot of money up front for a lot of people. Even for a show. That's a that's a ton of cash. Because even, you know, you get three thousand people to come through that door. I mean, that money's going into covering your costs for the show. And that's how these things work. Months would have been flushed out. He, he that the show might have taken a big hit. They might have had to Cancel certain guests, which would have possibly dropped the attendance. There's a lot of stuff that goes with that. So why did I bring up this story? Well, because of the contracts. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to these contracts. That's why you're seeing a lot of shows wait till the last minute to properly cancel. I know for a lot of people that is frustrating. Because, hey, I've already put down for the hotel. I've already put down for my car rental. I've already put down for my flight. And <coughs> if you're going to wait you know, up until like the week before, I I, I wanted, you know, that that's you're you're hanging me out. Well, that's that's understandable. You have to see it from the show's point of perspective too. 
a lot of these contracts, you go. Once you sign on that dotted line, the only thing that prevents them from cutting loose on those contracts is a force majeure clause, which every contract has. Literal act of God. So something happens that is both out of the venue's control or out of the promoter's control, then they can walk away without, one, being sued, and two, being able to recoup their costs through the insurance that they have to take out when they, do the, when they, when they put these shows on. So this is very important to remember. So if, say, G-Fest were to say, okay, we're going to follow everyone's lead and we're going to cancel, and they cancel tomorrow, and next week, State of Illinois said, hey, we're opening back up. Well, guess what? The, uh, the place, you know, the Crown Plaza is going to say, like, you're still beholden to this contract. And legally, we can sue you if you don't put the show on. Or you're definitely not getting your money back. And we can actually come for more, more damages because now you cost us money by canceling the show. So we lost all these rooms without any without any due purpose and it's happened before i've seen it happen firsthand out here in california in the last five years i've seen six different shows have one show and then completely tank and they were never heard of uh, never heard from again and that's that was a lot of it was hubris people trying to get into a an industry they knew nothing about we have situations like this where everyone's on lockdown, everyone's kind of afraid because there's a certain uncertainty. There, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. People don't want to gather because they're afraid they might get sick, or just the fact that it might seem like GFS might be out of touch with everything that's going on. Well, again, I don't know their personal finances, but I'm more than sure they're like any other show that I've ever dealt with. They have a lot of money tied up. GFS is not a big corporation at all they're a small show and the next year's show depends on the turnout for the last show that way they can put down the money they that they've made to get the venue for next year to start booking the guests and to also make putting a year's worth of time and effort outside of you know their day-to-day -day lives uh worthwhile you know it's fun to you know get together a lot of friends every year but it's also you know, after so many times, you know, so many times of doing it for free, when does it stop being worth your time? You have to have something out of it. And uh, much like a lot of people are like, well, hey, you know, just for the passion. It's like, no, no, no. That's not how that works. It's like doctors. Like, yeah, they want to help people, but at the same time, they want to make a, they want to have a solid foundation of financial income. That's why they're there. It's part of the reason why they're there. So right now, the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois has their lockdown set to lift at the end of June. G-Fest falls in July. And if that lockdown goes up, G-Fest is beholden to all those contracts that they have. With the hotel, with guests. God only knows what else they got going on. And if they cancel now, they're out that money. Now, for some of you, again, bring back to the to the... Just the the financial ignorance of people who are saying, well, you know, hey, they can just bounce back. Not, not much. Good chance they, they won't, If especially if JD is hammering down on the fact that there's rooms open now. 
I guarantee that this this man and whoever else is involved with this show have a lot financially riding on the, the fact that this show goes through. And they're only going to cancel if they are told by local, state, or, or the federal government that they cannot hold their show. And that happens, then they are entitled to get their money back that they have put in. And then they're, they can't be sued because of those force majeure clauses. And that's the key point in all this. Now, is JD handling it like a proper adult? Well, he's frustrated. Uh, you can tell that just by reading his tweets. The fact that he's still pushing it, it doesn't mean he's an inhuman monster, everyone. He's not He's not that. He is banking on something that has money tied into it. And it hopefully still goes through. It, because, again, we could hit, you know, the end of June. And, you know, things could drastically change in that time. You know, a lot, the whole country might be back up and running by then. We don't know. We're only looking at as far as we can see right now. And we're... We're two months. We're two months into this, and a lot has changed. We know that you know this thing isn't as. <clears throat> it's a little more random than we thought. We're still, you know, doctors are still learning about it. We're still ways away from from a vaccine, but at the same time, we now know certain things of it, like the heat can kill it, UV lights can kill it. Um, you know, the way it's passed through people. There's there's a ton of variables out there. We figure out, like, hey, maybe, you know, we can all get together again in 12 weeks. Well, you know, and that puts a lot of people like, they're like, yeah, I'll jump on the chance. But if not, then, you know, it's par for course. So to be angry at the man right now for still promoting a show is a little foolhardy. And it's very foolhardy to say, hey, man, just cancel and do it next year. No, no. There's far more that goes into these things than meets the eye. And I don't blame people for having that reaction because, yes, it does kind of come off that he is being kind of cruel about the whole thing. But he's, he's not. He's got a lot riding on this. And it's very it's, a lot of it's financial. And if he loses out on that, there is a very strong possibility we don't get a 2021 G-Fest or 2022 G-Fest or any more G-Fest at all after this. And that'd be a shame because here's the thing. It's not like you can just start a show and have everyone show up to it. It doesn't work that way. Shows take time to build. Comic-Con did not become Comic-Con overnight. It took 50 years to get to that level. I mean, they've been growing every year. Even you know They, they, they hit a new peak in 2006, and they haven't looked back since then. The whole convention circuit blew up. I mean, I would, I've been arguing that there might be too much. But a niche show like G-Fest is like, you know, a niche show like BotCon or something like that for Transformers. If it goes away, it's probably going to go away. And there's not going to be, there, there most likely won't be somebody there to pick up the pieces. It's that simple. Because when you're dealing with something that's very niche that you have to put a lot of time and effort into putting into, into, into advertising and trying to get people to show up, that... If at the end of the day it's not worth your time, no one's going to bother with it. And I know a lot of people love going to G-Fest. A lot of people love the camaraderie of G-Fest. It's fun. I love going too. It's part of my convention circuit in you know, in, the, in July. Jessica and I do G-Fest and Comic-Con back-to-back. There's a whole 10 days where we're on the road and we, we're not home. And we're, we're it's, it's our Christmas and New Year's rolled into one. And Halloween. 
It's, it's that whole trifecta right there. It's fun. I get it. But at the same time, if they were to cancel the show tomorrow and they're out that money, there might not be another one. I can tell you this. Scott Zillner, the man who runs Power Morphicon and a bunch of other small shows out here in California, and I, I, he's got a Power Con, Power Morphicon coming up this summer. That, that show has a lot of money put into it because that's a lot of guests that he gets out there. I can't tell you personally if he's uh, what's going on with that because I really don't know the man that well. But I know the fact from running shows that you know there's there's a lot in there. That gets canceled. Oof. You better hope that that's canceled by the government because that's a lot of money. So uh, where I was going with this is the fact that he in he does Power Morphic Con every other year, so that way he doesn't burn it out. And in those off years, he started doing a tokusatsu-themed show. Because a lot of people will start showing Power Morphicon, like, hey, we like the Japanese aspect of it, too. So he's like, you know what? Let's roll with that. So last, I think we're on show number three. He's been doing the show called Japan World Heroes. And here's the thing. It is not G-Fest. And that is not a slight against Scott at all. Because Scott knows very well he has to build this thing up. People aren't really flying out to come to Japan World Heroes in Pasadena. People local to Pasadena in the Southern California area are coming out for it. I go out for it. It's fun, but it's a very small show. There's maybe, at any given time, like maybe two, three hundred people there walking around. It's in a very small portion of the Pasadena Convention Center. That's But that's how PowerCon, PowerMorphicon started out. They were in a small room, and they graduated to the big room because they started getting more and more people. It takes time. It takes money. It takes a lot of effort to build these things. If GFest goes away tomorrow, there's not going to be any magic hand to just pick it up and keep running with that ball. It's not how these things work. So I say this because I would say give the man some flack. Or some slack. Not flack. Some slack. It's late people. I'm a little tired of it. I'm rambling. And just know that there's money tied into these things. There are contracts tied into these things. And it's not black and white as you think it is. San Diego, even with Comic-Con, you know, it's going to be a year off. Combined with everything being locked down out here, there's going to be a ton of businesses that won't be around to see Comic-Con 2021. It's that simple. It's just going to happen. There's a lot of mom-and-pop businesses that won't see it. There's a lot of a lot of restaurants, a lot of... Uh, Boutiques, a lot of, they're, they're, they won't be around next year. They can't financially recover from this. And that leads to a whole different thing. There are people that have their livelihoods tied up into this. I know there's a lot of like screw businesses mentality, but it's like it's not that's that's not a good thing to have. You know, not everybody can, you know, not anybody that has a business has a lot of money. You know, you, you go into business for yourself because you want to make some more money. Or you want to, you think you have something that you can try, but it takes a lot of time, effort, and hard work to go in these things. And when you have things like, you know, permits to pull and stuff like that, it, there's a lot of money that goes into these things. Again, the comic book industry might not recover from this. There's going to be a lot of comic stores that, that won't survive this lockdown if it goes any longer. The industry was already hurting as it was. So I, I, I hope that a lot of you take a lot of this into consideration. And in the future, maybe go come back to this episode if, Something happens with your favorite show, hopefully you can learn a thing or two from it. As I said, I don't have any affiliation with G-Fest or any of these other shows, other than the fact that I enjoy going to them, 
and I sometimes work them as a vendor. But I've had enough experience, and I've been, I've talked to enough people, and I've seen firsthand, you know, how these things run. And uh, it's not an easy endeavor. And sometimes you really sit there and you think, man, like, why would you even bother to do this? Well, it's twofold. You love it, and it's good money if you can get it to work. So, I don't know. Personally, I don't, I don't see the show running, and that's not because of JD. That's because I don't see Chicago or Illinois really opening up to have uh, large gatherings. Even if they do open, even they start doing opening business, they start opening businesses up. It's going to be a uh, rollout most likely, and uh, I see them preventing GFest from happening. If that if that's the case, then I'm fine with it. But I'll tell you this: I don't have Comic Con to go to anymore. If GFest says we're running and things are opening back up, I, I yeah, I'll be on a plane. It's cheap. It's gonna cost me. I looked it up yesterday. If I were to get a book a flight right now from uh, LAX to uh, Chicago to um, Chicago O'Hare, ninety six dollars. Last year it cost me four hundred and twenty two dollars to fly. Part is because I booked a little too late, but ninety six dollars. Yeah, I'll fly out to. I'll, I'll go enjoy G Fest, even if there's like 20 people there. I'm in Chicago. Chicago's a wonderful city. It's good, you know, to get out. And uh, not only that, but it's like we can't live in fear forever. I mean, if you really took time to look around you, you realize there's a lot of things that can kill you. And when you know, per, this is personal. Someone who's had a few net, near death experiences and who's lost people, like. You don't know when your time's going to come. So you can't live life like, you know, you're going to live forever as long as you stay safe. It just doesn't work that way. You could be doing the safest thing. I can tell you for a fact, man, that, you know, you know following the rules doesn't always mean that uh, you're going to come out of it. I it, Personally, I nearly died uh, back in 2018. I was nearly crushed to death at my old job. Forklift hit me. Pushing two tons of, uh, of cardboard from a baler, pinned me against uh, my half-ton uh, uh, pallet jack, and nearly, you know, just popped me in half. It's, there's, it's, it's an interesting feeling being squished to death. Thankfully, the, uh, the guy driving the forklift, you know, heard me and saw another person yelling at him, pulled back, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. I don't blame him. There were some other things going on there, but... This gave you some perspective on life. You know, you, I saw my life flash before my eyes in that moment. Like, it took me a minute to kind of come back to reality, and that was a that was a huge life lesson right there. It can ha- it can end at any point. So enjoy what you got, and don't live like, you know, you're afraid of it, it and, and ending. I don't know. I'm like, look, it could, it could I, I I could wake up tomorrow and there could be a, a 8.4 earthquake here. My house collapses on me. That could be it. I can get in my car. Smacked by something. So, yeah, of course. I'll hop on a plane. I'll go to G-Fest. I'll go enjoy it if it does happen. I hope that a lot of you would too. Because I like hanging out with a lot of you people. I like doing this show. I like talking to people about the show. I love talking to people about Godzilla. I love talking about movies. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Especially those nights out there in that patio. That is some of the funnest times I have during the year. Usually the week after, I have the same equal amount of fun 
putting myself through the stress of Comic-Con because I love it. And it's just how you got to live life. So please take this all into consideration when, you know, you start ripping into people for not following along directly with what's being laid out. That's all I'm asking. All right. So let's wrap this up. Uh, oh, it's not fun to go out on. New Godzilla toys from Bandai Premium. Announced uh, two days ago as the complement to the Mechagodzilla transformation set that they just put out. They're putting out what they call the Faux Godzilla, which is from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, 1974, my absolute favorite Godzilla movie. One of the best scenes in the whole series. And the fake Godzilla and real Godzilla are facing off at that uh, power plant, or the refinery, I think it's refinery, and the refinery. And Godzilla smashes the, uh, you know, Mechagodzilla in the fake skin, exposes the arm. They're making a figure of that. Oh, it's awesome because it's not just a simple remold of uh, the suit with missing the little piece that Anguilus breaks off. No, no. This is that big, dopey, clearly fake Godzilla skin that's over Mechagodzilla that when you see the two suits together, you're like, yeah, what's going on here? Like, that is not... <laughs> it's clearly not the same thing. That's the mold. I can't wait. I love it. So, hopefully when I get my copy, or my my, my versions, they come out in October. It's $120 for the set. It's not too bad. I do review. I'm working on getting some new stuff up for the Facebook page. Or, I'm sorry, not the Facebook page, but the YouTube page. Hopefully you'll see that this week. Got a few things. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of people have been subscribing to it for... Uh, one or two videos over there. Thank you if you found us through this, through that video. Cool. And uh, also, for a little fun, to get everyone's mind off things, this Saturday, May 2nd, Jessica and I are going to be doing another watch-along. Uh, we do it on Cast, which is a, um, uh, a, not an app, but, well, it's a, yeah, kind of an app, <clears throat> um, where you can pretty much, you know, stream, Pretty much anything you want and have a big party together. That's it's been the trend right now, having watch parties from home. You know, people we don't Jessica and I aren't uh, don't we don't have our cameras on while what's going on, but we'll, we'll sit there and chat with you. We're gonna watch Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Fantastic. This is if Hunter S. Thompson wrote an equal thriller with the Godzilla in it. I love I love Smog Monster because it's so weird, it's so wacky. So we're gonna be watching that this this coming Saturday, May 2nd. And we're going to do it at about 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope you all join us. I'll put the link on our Facebook page and our Twitter page as well. Um, cast is free. You can just log in. You can look up the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I have a, I've created a mini viewing page for that. And uh, we're going to watch that. And I might have a few extra little cool things I might throw in there. Just uh, stick around with afterwards. We hope to have a lot of people come out. Well, we can virtually raise a toast and drink with each other and enjoy some good films. So I hope you guys join us. We had a fun time doing that last uh, two weeks ago. We're going to do it again this week. I think we're going to do it every other week. Jessica really loves doing it. So especially if you want to talk to Jessica, this is the time to do it. I know my boring butt, you know, gets, uh, gets everybody's nerves, but past that. It's on cast, K-A-S-T. Again, free to join. Find us under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast on there. And uh, this Saturday, we will be all watching Godzilla vs. Smog Monster with my phone's going off. That's why you put your phone on buzz, people. That way you don't get instances like this. 
So, with that being said, we'll wrap up this episode. I uh, appreciate you people putting up with this one. We'll be back next week with, uh, hopefully, our look back at the Dark Horse Gamera series. Because it's been something we want to do for a while, so Jessica's working on putting that together. And, uh, yeah, and if you're listening to this for the first time on, you know, on any of the apps, we are on Spotify now, so find us on there if you like listening through Spotify. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever finer podcasts can be found. And, of course, as always, on PanzerCrush.com. And please check out my new podcast, uh, Neo Psychobabble. It's also part of the Panzer Crush Podcast Network. New episode up right now. As you hear this, uh, I talk with author Mike Fury about all things action cinema. He's got a new book out called uh, um, The Art of Action. You can listen to that also on Spotify and or just find it on panzercrush.com. Click the link and download it or stream it. So, again, uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. Twitter, at the Kaiju Kingdom. We're also on Instagram, also the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. And, yeah. All right. Well, then that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. For myself and Jessica, who's not here, thanks for listening, guys. 